0: All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, another bag. Deal with it. Thank you. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. Had a great family time myself. I hope you did too, with family and friends and whatever that that means to you. Today, uh, we're going to dive into another session 40 Days in the Word, but another session looking at how to dig into the Bible in a deeper fashion. Thank you, guys. (laughs) <laughs> um, how to dig into the Bible in a deeper fashion, Bible study, in a sense. Now, there are a bunch of devotional methods that we've been teaching you uh, over the last bunch of weeks in your 40 days groups that many of you are a part of. We've encouraged you for that. And for those methods, I want you to keep doing them. Way to go. They're excellent, and they're, they're uh, just a wonderful to learn and to do. But, but last week, Pastor Ron introduced us to some ways that we can actually do deeper Bible study. Now, deeper isn't necessarily better. It's just with a different purpose, in a sense. And my goal this morning is to reinforce those concepts to you. So we're going to take a look at it again And I want to start by briefly reviewing some of the principles that got Ron covered last week, and then we're going to dive into a a passage to apply those principles. So on your outline, you've got a few little spots, a few little notes just for references. You only have a few fill in the blanks. It's going to be a little different today. I'm going to need your help to fill in the blanks. So there aren't just very many underlines, there's just spaces that we're going to do together. We're going to do things a little differently today, I will explain that. But let me start by reviewing some basic rules of studying the Bible. Ron talked about these. These are four things we kind of want to overlay as we're doing Bible study and digging in a bit. First of all, we want to consider the context, meaning what, not just what's that verse and those verses, but what's around it, what's the whole book about, what's the whole, in essence, Bible about, what, what really influences it by what's around. Define the keywords, figure out what are the keywords there that might need a little bit of definition to flush it out. Third, interpret the unclear with the clear. We'll bump across a passage that maybe isn't so clear, but Scripture is always going to connect with Scripture. It's going to agree with Scripture every time. So if you bump into a passage, that seems to go against what you think the Bible is taught. It's time to do the work and interpret the unclear with the clear. And then look for the most obvious meaning. Sometimes we love to find those little weird off-the-wall you know, out of the corner, here, things, and usually God wants to be just very clear with us and say, here's where it is, you know. It's, it's The harder thing is doing it, huh, right? You know, but not so much finding it. Well, we can go online, uh, you can go online to listen to Ron's talk last week to get more details because he talked about these, but I did want to bring them up as an overview. Well, here's a challenge I have today, and I just want to be honest with you. Um, I want to be the teaching, or my job's to be the teaching pastor today, but not to teach the passage entirely. Teach... How to study the passage? See, I really wanted to do all the study, studying ahead of time like normal, and really unpack it for you in the way we love to do at Twin Cities here. And and then you'd be sitting there passively taking notes. It's not a bad thing. You listen, and ah. And I do my best to have the Lord speak through me and speak to your heart. But but if that happens, you'd be missing what I'm trying to accomplish today. So here's the deal. Uh, yes, I've done some good studying myself ahead of time, okay? I've done some of that because I want to make sure I'm ready to go, but I'm not going to tell you what I found out, at least not all at once. Near, 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 Okay, so what we're going to do is kind of discover this together. I've chosen to kind of set up a study environment here, and so rather than stand up front here, I'm going to sit down at a table like you might do if you were going to do a Bible study. You need a table. It's not so much the easy chair situation with a cup of coffee. You've got a table to spread your things out and a study, in, study environment so we can study together. And again, I'm going to want your help and your participation as we study the passage My challenge, again, is we're going to actually study a passage, and we want to make some headway with that, but really, I also want to teach you how to do it so that you don't just wait until Sunday mornings to come and have the pastor tell you what the Bible says, because you can do this on your own, so we're going to try and help you with that today. So again, the setup today, as I pull some things out, we're going to be at a table uh, that works well, and... um, uh, anyway, through this, what do, we, what do you have uh, in, in your, for Bible study? Again, a couple of fill-in-the-blanks that you have. First of all, what do you really need to make Bible study happen? Uh, first, so the obvious one is that you actually need a... A Bible. You are on fire this morning. Sorry. So you need a Bible, and I would recommend for Bible study actually having a study Bible. Now uh, I just wrote right a couple down here. The NLT Life Application Study Bible. I own this one, as well as the NIV Study Bible. You don't have to have both, but by the way, they're different, and they have kind of kind of approach things differently. So I've kind of marked our passages here for it. So having a study Bible, of having a Bible is essential, obviously, because you're going to study the Bible, and the study Bible gives you some um, some study study notes that go into that come into play and it can give you some background and some helpful tips so that's why you need a table here, huh? Because you can actually put things down. Secondly then, besides the Bible and having a study Bible is a wonderful thing, you really need, Ron said last week you need a Bible and that's it, true. But I really think it's valuable to actually have something to write on and to write with. Now you can do that digitally. In fact, you're, all your Bibles may be digital and that's fine too. I'm not trying to dictate how you do it. I kind of like doing the books and being able to spread things out. You can even have that parallel Bible that I had where you've got four versions right there. Um, but having something to write on and with is essential whether it's electronic or by hand, or laptop it doesn't matter but see as you start doing it starts with observation as you start you're going to go why did he use that word why did he use that word what's going on here what's going on here i wonder what this means oh i see this i see this you're actually writing things down and then you can actually interact with it so essential for me yes and i'd encourage that for you as well so you've got something to write with and something to write on um and digging deeper, so those are the important things. Having a Bible, recommend a study Bible. Have something to write on or write with. And then if you really say, you know, I'm, I, I want to get serious with this. I really want to make it happen. That for number three, then digging deeper. Have for sure more than one translation of the Bible. Again, you can have one of those comparative study Bibles. I showed it a couple weeks ago. It's got four translations side by side on the same pages. You can be right there. You can find those tools online as well. And, uh, and then, uh, and a concordance. Now, I've got a bunch of these, and, <laughs> you know, any more with things electronic, why have a book like this? It's just kind of impressive to say, I'm ready to study the Bible. <laughs> you know, kind of has that weight. Oh, I'm going to get serious here. And a concordance lists every word in the Bible, including the thus. Does. And so this is a tool. You can use You run across a word here, and you can find out, well, where else is that word used? 612 times in the New Testament. And, or if you're looking for the verse, where's that verse that says, you know, living water? Look up water, and you'll find a lot of water in Scripture, but you'll find it. So this is a great tool to have. You don't have to. And you can get them electronically, and you can actually just free online. There's, there's places that you can do that. But um, I have several of these and, and valuable tool to have. So there's just a suggestion, multiple um, translations, because they'll bring out different nuances, okay? Uh, it's helpful to have. Every translation is trying to accurately communicate God's Word. They just do it a little bit differently sometimes. And so sometimes having multiple passages is a way to do it. Well, we are ready to read, ready to get started. So first... Um, And I've got my tablet here, too, my iPad, along with these things. And I'm sitting down here because I'm just going to study with you, all right? Does that work? So give me a little participation, especially the front rows as we go. We're ready to get started. So a reminder of what we're going to do. You don't have to take notes here for a service. They were doing this. We're going to walk through the four, the four principles of Bible studies. You don't have to write these down. They're written down for you, but they're spread out because there's room for notes. So that's the observation, interpretation, correlation, application, huckamuckamation, you know, whatever. No, it's just the first four. So what does it say? What does it mean? What do other verses say? And then what am I going to do as a result? So that's kind of what we're, what we're doing, where we're going to head. So as we read the scripture, we're just going to start with simple observation. So we ready to go? We're not. We're not, because just like with devotional reading, before you get into it, you want to... Good, thank you. Let's do that. Father, thank you for uh, our chance to study Scripture today in a different kind of setting, because there's me sitting up front kind of leading this. But, Lord, I just pray not only that you would reveal your word and your heart and your passions through this passage, but also teach us, God, so that we can truly, in a sense, feed ourselves and learn Bible study. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a good thing to do. Just open my eyes, God, and let's dig in because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the revelation, the inspiration, and the wisdom and stuff we need. Always want to remember to do that. The nice thing is you forget God's still there, but it helps prepare your heart, okay? So let's turn in our Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. Again, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screens, it'll be on your, um, on your outline as well that we have it. We're gonna take a look at some verses, maybe too many verses, honestly, you know, because as you start digging, you realize, wow, this, this takes some time and it gets really good. But we picked a passage here. We're gonna start kind of big and then we'll end up focusing on several of them as we go through, beginning at verse 12 as we go through this. So um, notice I left the verses in. I asked Deborah to please leave the verses in as we read because we're doing Bible study. I want to be able to refer to verse 15 and have you know where that is in your outline around the screens there. Here we go. It says this, First Thessalonians 5. says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's a passage that's got a lot, a lot of stuff there, and you'd approach it one way devotionally, but what we want to do in Bible study is dig into this and really discover what's here with a with a goal towards application as we go through. Now I could now we're we're going to start here. It says on your sheet there it says general context, right? And as we get started, it's always it's helpful to to understand what's surrounding this and what's this all about? No, I could tell you all about the background of the book, you know, the author, the overall purpose and the theme and all those sorts of things, but if I did that, then I'd be teaching you the passage, not teaching you how to study the passage, right? You'd be sitting taking notes that John says. So I don't have a chance to hand you a study tool right now, but how would you discover the context? How would you discover, well, so what is? What's a Thessalonian who wrote this book? Why did they write this book? When was this book written? All those sorts of things are helpful as you as you start doing Bible study. Well, one thing you do is go to church and let the pastor tell you. But for your studying purposes, having a study Bible at the beginning, both of these two, for example, at the beginning of a book, it flat out tells you. You flip it and it says... Here's your themes, here's who wrote it Here's some of the debate about that, if it's debatable Here's about the city, by the way A Thessalonian is someone from Thessalonica Huge city, a 200,000 person city One of the biggest cities in the area A few Jews, a lot of other, you know Greeks and other Gentiles, non-Jews that are there And uh, so you get a little bit of a background Paul's writing to this church Now, um, so I'm going to tell you what, what I could read from here in Scripture It's just right here, I didn't do anything fancy I'm just reading from, from the study Bible I transferred it over to my notes here. So Paul is the author. That's totally proven. And he visited. We find out when it, it refers to he's writing a letter to a church he's visited. And as we look, it tells us in Acts 17, it tells of his visit to Thessalonica. So I flip over to Acts 17 and read about, it's just about this long in your Bible. It's about, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 verses. It's a very short time in Thessalonica. You say, well, why does this matter? Well, I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But I think it does. Because when we read what happens in Thessalonica, this is me simply now turning with you to Acts 17, but let me summarize it. He goes, he starts preaching. Some Jews and a ton of Greeks and other Gentiles come to know the Lord. But, sounds like Jesus' story, the religious leaders start coming after him. And bottom line, they're going to try and kill him. And so the other people, who the new followers of Jesus said, Paul, get out. And so Paul runs for his life. So he's not in Thessalonica very long, and he gets chased out. He's a spiritual leader, and he gets chased out by, you know, the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees and such in the area, and he has to run for his life. So there's kind of some context, and, uh, you know, as we get things going to understand that. Now, the themes in terms of what's in the whole thing, by the way, if you were studying 1 Thessalonians, this passage of Scripture, you probably are studying 1 Thessalonians, and where would you have started your study in 1 Thessalonians? Chapter, oh, good, thank you up here. Chapter... One, you probably would have started in chapter one. That's a great place to start because it's reading a letter that someone's writing. So you would have already done this. You would have studied, as you begin First Thessalonians, okay, I want to understand, okay, it's Paul. It's a little bit about Thessalonica. I'm not sure how this is going to help me. Is this going to help me? Don't know, but it doesn't hurt to do it. And, and it actually will over time, there'll be times when it'll really help. You will have already done this, okay, but, but we're, for our, our chances today, so we're kind of going back and, and kind of catching through this. What you'd see coming up time and time again is two different things on the themes level, because your study Bible tells you, and they've done the work for you, or, or a commentary, or because you noticed it as you read through the, the book. Two things are happening. One is, remember I said he got chased out? Here's a young church, didn't get much Paul teaching, and so he's now kind of writing going, hey guys, I didn't get to teach you very much, but here's a lot of good stuff for you to know. Okay, so there's a lot of good, here's a passage full of a lot of good stuff. Also, again and again, Paul brings up end times, okay? Paul brings up end times, and so there's a, it's a theme that recurs in both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Some of you that into Revelation and end time stuff, dive into Thessalonians. Not so much Mark of the Beast kind of stuff, but a lot about Jesus is coming back. So we see that. Why is it there? Oops, we're asking questions. That's observation. I'm just, that's kind of the themes as we get started here. All right, so we have 1 Thessalonians five twelve. We just read through it. Now let's take a look at it. We're going to go back, and you're going to help me study. We kind of laid the groundwork, who the Thessalonians were, mostly Greeks and and Jew, Gentiles, a few Jews, etc., And off we go here. So three um, observations. I set this up for you. I, I kind of gave you a hint. There's three basic sections that we'll break this into, but I'm going to want you to help me see what these sections are. For observations, you're going to grab your paper. You're not going to answer questions you're going to ask them. You just simply say what you see. You might not understand why it's there. That's okay, but we're just observing, okay? So here's verses 12 and 13. It says, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So we'll stop right there. I've I've helped you break this into three sections. There's kind of an obvious section because he's writing to the Thessalonians and he's telling them to treat somebody a certain way. Who's he he telling them to treat? What's he talking about here? What's that? Someone up here? Yeah, leaders. Good. How to treat leaders. so, So. we don't know how, that's what he's going into, but I look at this section, a general observation is, this is really how to treat spiritual leaders. It talks about respect, and, and so, you know, with respect and love, there's a general observation. We'll come back for some more detail. So this little section is that. So let's look at the next two verses, verses 14 and 15. And he says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, and make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Okay? talked about how to treat spiritual leaders. What's this one talking about? How to treat other people, it, even non-spiritual leaders here. Now again, guys, this is just basic observations. And I would jot this down. I would be, done, verses th- 12 and 13, treat spiritual leaders. Verses four, and I'm just starting with some general observations. And I might even say a general observation is, you know, it talks a lot and there's detail, but it talks to basically, I'd say, you know, be gentle with them and loving. <laughs> there's a general observation without details through there. Okay. How to treat spiritual leaders, how to treat your brother and sisters, but really everyone. Next set of verses. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what do we see here? Who are we addressing? Yourself, right? But how you should treat them, how you should treat them, it's talking about your own attitudes, isn't it? your own attitudes and actions, really just, just starting internally, and that's what we see there. Now, something else I might notice here, there's three, this little section has three, three short little commands, doesn't it? Do you see anything that kind of is a tie between the three? There's even a word or a concept. Teaching. What's that? Teaching. Yes, yeah. teaching. Thank you for that. And there's a specific word with each one of these. It's saying, be joyful, pray, continually. That kind of sounds like always, doesn't it? I'm sure it's different in the Greek and all that, but that kind of sounds like that. And then give thanks in all, so kind of like an always. So just an observation, I'm seeing, wow, there's three different attitudes, and yet an observation is that there's a all times, all places, always. What does that mean? We're not there yet. We're just noticing things, right? Just see how we got that? I'm, I'm I'm not doing deep, deep, you know, deep Seminary level Bible study. We're looking at this just right there. So, so we see that. Now, is there an overarching theme to these verses that we looked at? I mean, does it link together? Okay, how to treat who? Spiritual leaders, how to treat others, you know, and then kind of a, your own attitudes. Is there an overarching theme here? Does it link together? Is there an overarching theme? Boy, I don't see one. Or hmm, I wonder if this is what you write. God's going to talk to you as you write and you're going to get some things. I wonder, I wonder if these, is there, a, is there a link here? I wonder if, you know what, this isn't me telling you this. This is not me teaching you. I wonder if it ends with these attitudes I have in me. The thankfulness, rejoice always, pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks. If, I wonder if those attitudes, he ends with those because he says those things, if those things are present then you are going to be able to treat your spiritual leaders and other people that way if you have those attitudes in you. It might be I wonder if, maybe. See what we're doing? See what we're doing? I'm not, I'm not trying to teach you what's there. I'm helping you unpack what's there. God's going to reveal things to you as we go through. And, uh, and as we go through this. So um, how we treat, lead, lead others. Um, and uh, anyway, so in light of the context of this letter, um, remember we talked about, he talks about Jesus coming back again and again. Would that shed any light on this? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe so. Um, you know, y- you can write that down. I wonder if, because Jesus, he keeps saying that Jesus is coming back. Is that going to be like a motivation to do these things, to be on your guard because Jesus is coming? Maybe. <laughs> see what we're doing. We're unpacking. We're observing. We're taking what we know and, and putting it into the, the text to see what goes here. Ask lots of questions, and the answers might not be clear right away. For some of you, it's going to drive you crazy. I need answers, I need them now. Just ask them first. Can't answer them until you ask them. A lot of Bible studies learning to ask good questions. And then, finding the tools and the ways to get them answered, okay so don 't get discouraged, just write them down now, specific observations we kind of made some general ones, and we 're going to run out of time here. I keep my eye on it we 're doing all right, but um, again, what we 're going to find out is wow, this is going to this is good, but it takes some time here. So we did some general observations, some specific ones there 's a lot, uh, but uh, you know we take a look i 'm going to throw one or two out, and then i'm going to want you to throw one or two out now these are observations don't don 't give me brilliant analysis at this point now we see in verse twelve, for example, it says um, Paul says, uh, remember we said you know it's Paul, he says, now we ask you brothers, right, that begins that section, well look at, the, look at verse 14 and it says, and we urge you he says ask in the first part, which sounds like I'd like that, and then urge, which one is stronger? urge is stronger why is that there, why does he say, I don't know interesting, he says I ask you here, he says I urge you here now did I do something that you couldn't do? you, you can do this, right? But this is Bible study. Now I got it. It's my job to figure out, well, why would he say ask and urge? Is he just picking random words? But that one's definitely stronger. I wonder why. And, and now you're praying, and this is Bible study, okay? This isn't just take notes from the pastor. This is you doing it. Observations that we go through there as we walk through. It says ask. It says urge. What, you know, urge. What is, what is this all about? Um, um, what's something else you see? Just a, just a small observation. Someone be daring and put a hand up. Somebody but gotta put a hand up so I can see. Yeah, real loud. There are commands such as warn those, help those. Good, good. Those are commands that are there. Okay, and what and and what's significant to you there? Because you should use the words ca- commands. These are these seem to be commands, not suggestions, right? This is command form. and Paul's probably pretty serious about these, meaning God's serious about these, observations, right? You could ask why those are there. So there, there's a great observation. You know what? Here's an interesting one. Remember I said context might be helpful for you on this. Um, He tells you how to treat spiritual leaders. This is just me wondering. Paul was a spiritual leader. How was he treated when he was there? Run for your life, they're going to kill you. And so I can almost picture him now going, by the way, let me give you some, uh, let me school you a little bit on how to treat your spiritual leaders who are over you, right? Okay. Observations, by the way, what does it mean to who are in the care of the Lord over you and also what does it mean to admonish I don't know I'll write that down that's a key word I'm going to have to look up see so there are some observations as we go through and see how context can, can help understanding kind of the, the whole flavor through here well um, what's the role of a spiritual leader on on there's many things well let's take a, jump into the next level which is interpretation observation interpretation so for the sake of time, we're going to focus just on verses 16 to 18. They're the short and sweet right to it with our own attitudes, because I really believe these are kind of core things, you know, certainly how I treat others, but it starts in here. And uh, so we're going to take some observations. What does it say? Interpretation, what does it mean? So we're not just going to look at it. We're going to try and answer some questions here. So the first 16 is short and sweet, one of those great memory verses. Yay! Be joyful always. Be joyful always. That's it. Okay, so be joyful always. Probably you can unpack each word. What, what does joyful mean? Does that mean, is that more than happy? How could you find that out? Study Bible could help you. You could look up a cross-reference in here or there to kind of look up what joyful is and see some other verses that might talk about being joyful. And he says to be joyful always. So we know joy goes beyond our circumstances, right? Life can be really stinky around you where I'm not happy. In fact, I'm not really enjoying life. But God says you don't have to enjoy life, but be joyful always, and so I now can begin to do a study here on what joyful means, and the always concept, wow, okay, and see what we're doing here, we're going to pull out a little bit, we're going to start studying to say, what does this mean, and what does that look like, let's move to verse 17, again guys, we're just kind of going and coming back, and going so I can touch on it, so you get a feel, verse 17 says, pray continually, so what in the world does that mean, because how many of you work, how many talk to friends, how many surf the internet, how many of you... De- I'm sorry, I can't teach my class today, I gotta pray continually, sorry students, and Lord, doesn't fly so well, does it? So, but it says, pray continually, pray always, in fact, the New American Standard, which, which I think is kind of the best study trans, version, translation, maybe a little harder to read because it's a little older, but really is, it really digs into the words, and it says, pray without ceasing, without stopping, meaning continue to do it, pray without ceasing. Well, how in the world do I do that, you know? Because my understanding of prayer, er, Maybe time to redefine prayer a little bit, doesn't it? Maybe it isn't a time for you to, to redefine prayer. God, what is prayer? I might do it. open this up and look. Where else does it talk about prayer to really see what's here? Praying without ceasing. Praying always, pray continually. We gotta be talking about some sort of an attitude of prayer, not active praying in my head consciously. Stop talking to me, I have to be praying or I'm gonna be sinning. Be quiet, right? It, that's not it. So we need to interpret scripture the best way we can, right? So this attitude of prayer concept needs some thought. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Keywords, where are some keywords there? Hey, don't overcomplicate it. The means the, don't need to define the. I think a word like thanks means thanks. I'm not so sure you need to dig into thanks. If you dig into it, I bet in the Greek it's gonna tell you that thanks is... thanks, (laughs) thanks, <laughs> you know what I mean, just honestly, some, some words, you know, you can do that, but some words, you really want to try some, find some things, circumstances in all, you know, we start doing some of that, let's not make it crazy, hey, by the way, I put NIV in your outline on this, and here's one reason why, because it says give thanks, in the American standard, in fact, I believe it's, it's, it's the best translation, some of the translations, also good ones say, be thankful, Bible study time, is be thankful different than giving thanks, What do you think? Last service, I had some mm, nod their heads profoundly. Others kind of shake their head uncertainly. The scriptures are trying to, the translations are trying to communicate the same thing, but to me, there's a difference because I think I could maybe be thankful passively, but God's actually asking us to do something with it. Oh, I'm thankful. I'm gonna actually give Thanks. I'm gonna do something with it. You know, the lepers that were cleansed, well, they were thankful, but only one returned to actually give thanks to God, right? So this is what he's saying. Give thanks in all circumstances. Don't just kind of have it, yeah, I guess I'm thankful inside. Actually do something with it, right? And so there's just me pulling apart the actual word by having a couple of translations looking at I can compare and this is here and this is why, and what does that look like? Again, see what we're doing with this? We're just trying to dig in a little bit and be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful for all circumstances? Are those two different things? They are, aren't they? Are you thankful for everything that happens? Because evil happens. You know what? I'm not real thankful for evil. I mean, I understand big picture why God has it there, but I'm not real thankful for evil stuff. But can I be thankful in the midst of situations where evil is around me? I can not easy. That's what God's calling me to do. So I'm digging in. What does he mean when he says to I'm going to be thankful in and not for all circumstances? What's there? And then this is God's will for you. This is God just to be thankful because he said rejoice always, pray without ceasing, or you know pray continually and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are all three God's will for me or just the last one? And then it's why is it say in Christ Jesus? Is that just so it sounds good and Christian? Well, No, it's not wasted words. Here's what I believe as I look at that. I think he says it's in Christ Jesus, and I didn't do deep, deep study because on my own, on your own, what are the chances that we are going to be rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances on your own? Not a chance. Me, not a chance. But God says it's my will for you through the power of Jesus Christ, and in Christ Jesus, I'm going to give you the desire and the power to do these things. Ah, okay. Okay, let me just stop. You see what we're doing? We're studying the Bible. Yes, I've taught you a few things, but I'm just kind of thinking aloud. You guys are giving some input. Now, correlation needed. Anything unclear needed fleshing out? Maybe not. This is a pretty clear passage, but it through your through your study Bible you can get a cross-reference to see here's a passage in James. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come, consider an opportunity for great joy. Oh, joy. There it is again. Joy coming even when things aren't great. In Romans eight twenty-eight, it might lead you to that. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Meaning, no matter what happens, God's going to work in that. These verses can kind of flesh it out. Now, you can take this as far as you go. You're right, and you can take a particular verse. You can run with a word. That's up to you. But at some point, we get to a point of saying, I've learned something. I'm understanding God, and I'm understanding some things better, but I'm not going to stop. I need to do something. And so application comes in. And so what am I going to do Is the final one here? Now, um, there's many possibilities if you studied the Scripture. There's a ton of things. We looked at the three. It's talking about leaders treating other people, your own attitudes. But for me, if I get too much to work on, I can't get there. So as a result, I think, eh, Thanksgiving just happened, and maybe that might spur me on today. And so an application I might make today is, you know, as cool as the day as Thanksgiving is, it seems a shame that we kind of limit our focus on Thanksgiving to kind of the one day, kind of happens, that one holiday, you know. And this passage says, in everything, give thanks. At all times, give thanks. Now I was driving on Friday the day after Thanksgiving up my home on Banner, and uh, I drove past this lady who who had kind of a cane, an elderly lady, and I was very cautious, I didn't hit her or anything drove around real slowly, and I actually I was with one of my sons, I rolled my window down, and I just wrote everything just to be nice, and I rolled my window down and said, hey, happy Thanksgiving, and she said, Thanksgiving was yesterday. <laughs> and she was right, and I thought, isn't that funny that Thanksgiving's come and gone, and for me to say happy Thanksgiving almost was like she needed to correct me, because it's no longer Thanksgiving. Well, that's not what this passage is telling me. I want Thanksgiving to be every day. It isn't in my life. Complaining day is often my day right? Or griping day or busy day. But, but as a result of all this that I see here, as I look through, maybe that's going to be my application. Everything give thanks, not just feel thanks, but give thanks to God and to others in my life. Pretty good. And I got there just through a short time together today. God does these things, and you know, again, we can expand on this, but this, folks, is where you pray and say, God, what is it that you want? How do you want to change me today? Because I don't want to just learn more. I want to become more like Jesus as a result. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you that, um, gosh, we could look at this great passage and feel like we just scratched the surface, but our goal, Lord, was not for me to teach it to the depth that we could, but for us to discover how might we study this passage. And so, God, I just pray that you continue to, to open our hearts and minds. God, two things. I guess I pray that, that this passage that we've looked at, that you'd put that into our hearts, how we treat others, how we treat leaders, and especially our own attitudes, God, that you'd still that in us. And then also, God, I pray that you'd give us a desire, an unquenchable desire, to study your scripture, because it's not just a task of spreading out books. It's, it's developing a deeper understanding of who you are, so that you can change us to be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.